no good for girls. With sugar bones and wind-blown blood, veins flying too fast for a heart made fragile, by oil changes and ragged rat burrows, they count their meaty bodies to keep time, darting quick, vanishing down to damp black. Hunger. I want to know myself, flay out my soul, and read the shreds like tea leaves, like tarot cards. Who am I with Mercury rising, with the sun in Gemini, with rent dew and breakfast on the stove, morning light, dissolving drugged dreams too dark for the new day i swear the road is narrowing up ahead all that big and bold and new bottlenecking away to a single far-off point and i'm saying i won't bear it i won't file the points off my claws i starve for enormity for a road wide enough to dance in i want words to feel like arrows like bullets like 12 guns firing upwards when i pray i want to drown in nectar when I cry, I want to choke on roses. When I sleep, I want to dig a hole down deep in the dirt with the cold and damp. Go hot and melting. The view never changes with a bowed head. And I'm sick of songs that don't feel like flying. I'm hollow. I'm ravenous. I'm going to eat this world with teeth. So sharp, my mouth will always be full of blood. Maria Zokola, monologue for a witch child. of self is a Zen teaching that may seem a little abstract and philosophical, even kind of nihilistic, depressing, disorienting. Why does it matter? In brief, knowing the true nature of ourself is exactly what liberates us from fear and suffering. So the Buddha didn't actually teach the self is empty, or as some people put it, the self doesn't exist. He actually wholeheartedly discouraged any speculation whatsoever about the true nature of self. What the Buddha taught was anatta, or not self. That is, he taught a practice of recognizing each and every aspect of our experience, everything we encounter as not self. So this is an absolutely pragmatic teaching. The Buddha observed that the process of what he called I, me, and my making led to dukkha, which is stress or suffering. To refrain from that activity led to relief from dukkha. This is just not about giving attachment to possessions or pleasure or power. This is about disidentifying with the five aggregates or fundamental elements that make up a human being. Our body, sensations, perceptions, our thoughts, volition, our consciousness. Even these things we were asked to not identify as self. In the script, the sequence has been more of a fight than a dance, with some of the same beats, but less of the ballet. Interior, lighthouse, continuous. Lena scrambles across the room, towards the door to the lighthouse. 
but she doesn't make it. The humanoid simply appears in front of her before she reaches the door. It is unclear how it got there. A frozen beat. Then Lena strikes the humanoid with all her strength. And a moment later, in a mirror of her actions, the humanoid strikes her back, but with incredible power. Lena is sent flying backwards across the room. She collides with the camera and tripod. All skid across the room to the wall. But it has provided Lena with a weapon. As the humanoid reapproaches her, she picks up the tripod and swings it like a club, smashing the camera against the humanoid's head. And again, the humanoid mirrors the actions, using its arm like a club. For a second time, Lena is sent hurtling back across the room by the force of the impact, but this time towards Kane's backpack. She collides with it and the phosphorus grenades beside it. And as she gets to her feet, the humanoid is again on her, standing directly in front of her, featureless, eyeless, but somehow watching. Utterly, infinitely more powerful than she is. For the first time, we see something beaten in Lena, something broken. Lena, please. She expects a killing blow and flinches. And the humanoid does the same. Lena sees. She immediately realizes what we already know. The humanoid is mimicking her. She is fighting herself. We can see her thinking, can this be true? The killing blow still hasn't come. Lena lifts a hand, fingers trembling with adrenaline and fear, and the humanoid's opposite hand also rises. She pauses. The humanoid's hand pauses. Lena's hand starts moving again, until she touches its cheek, an exact mirror of the gesture where she touched Kane's face at the start of the film, when he appeared at their bedroom at home. A beat. Then the humanoid raises its hand. Lena holds motionless, suspended, except for tight breathing and trickling beads of sweat as the softly glowing hand lifts to her face. Then lightly touches her cheek also. And as it does so, the humanoid starts another folding transformation. Rippling, folding, collapsing. And this time, resolving itself as Cain. Lena gasps. For a moment, the two face each other. Then Lena opens her mouth to speak. Lena, continued, Cain? Beat. Cain, Cain? Another beat. Reveal. At Lena's feet, the phosphorus grenades. Close, on Lena, processing, controlling herself. Then, slowly, she reaches down. Opposite her, in a slightly delayed mere action, Kane does the same. Lena's hand closes around one of the metal canisters. Kane does the same. Lena rises again, never taking her eyes off Kane's face. Kane rises. A final beat. Lena watches Kane's face. Lena whispers, I'm sorry. Then Lena pulls the pin. Kane mirrors. Soft ticking from the canisters. Seconds passing. Lena continued, breathes. Five, four, three, two. Then Lena drops the grenade and throws herself sideways. Kane's head turns sees, but he's too late to fully react. Lena's phosphorus grenade detonates, and a moment later, so does Kane's. The film is simpler. As this minute begins, 
We are looking at Lena over the humanoid's shoulder, and the humanoid is taking the lead in its dance with Lena. Stepping forward, Lena stepping back. Reverse, over Lena's shoulder on the humanoid. It steps again. Lena steps back. Angle from across the room, framing the humanoid and Lena between Kane's burned body and the overgrown pile of military equipment. And we can see that the humanoid is leading the way. The humanoid, its back to us, crosses its right foot in front of its left. Lena crosses her left behind her right. They find their footing simultaneously with the opposite foot. And we cut, second ten, to angle over the humanoid's shoulder on Lena. Lena starts to crouch, glancing briefly down, but not really breaking eye contact with the humanoid. Cut. Mid-body shot of them both as Lena reaches into an overgrown military backpack. The humanoid's abdomen seems to have horizontal wrinkle lines, not unlike Lena's shirt. Lena pulls a grenade out of the bag and starts to rise. Cut. Second 20. Over the humanoid's shoulder again as they return to standing upright. The front of the humanoid's face seems to be changing color. Cut. Second 25. Angle on hands. The humanoid reaching out with its left hand. Lena placing a grenade in it with her right. With Lena's hand so close, the humanoid's hand begins to change color, matching Lena's flesh, and its left wrist grows the shape of Lena's watch. Telling mistake, the time on Lena's watch appears to be 12.45 now, half an hour beyond last minute. The humanoid raises its right hand. Lena grabs it with her left and brings all four of their hands together. Meanwhile, the humanoid's torso gains more folds and turns green like Lena's shirt. Cut. Second 36, Angle from behind the humanoid on Lena. Its face is colored now, similarly to Lena's. It has her messy hair pulled into a ponytail. Its shoulders look like the same cloth of Lena's shirt. Immediate reverse, and we see facial features form on the humanoid's face. It even has the trickles of blood to match Lena's recent injuries. Except, despite the watch forming on the correctly matching wrist, the blood is mirrored. In addition to the blood down her forehead onto her nose, Lena has blood on the left side of her face. The humanoid has blood on its right side. Reverse. Second 44. Over the humanoid's shoulder as Lena stares. They breathe together. Cut. Angle on hands. Second 46. The humanoid has the Ouroboros tattoo on its left forearm. Carly Veloci at Sci-Fi Wire, 27th February 2018, mistakenly assumes here, quote, At some point, the humanoid was able to switch places with Lena, although when is a little unclear, since one of them was, you know, burned alive. The shimmer works in mysterious ways, and sometimes without logic, so it could have happened at any point. End quote. But, minute 68, the Ouroboros shape was already there, beneath the skin of Lena's left arm, and it was from there that she sampled her blood, which turned out to be mutating in minute 69, and in minute 80, she admits to Radic, I checked my blood, blood last night. night. Beat. It's in me. That tattoo's presence here on the humanoid is essentially meaningless. Whether altered by spending too much time within the Shimmer, as Lena has been, or born there, as the humanoid was, that tattoo seems to be ubiquitous now. Favored, perhaps, by whatever consciousness the Shimmer has, because of its meaning. The snake looping in the shape of infinity, eating its own tail. And now, no, the humanoid is not going to mysteriously replace Lena. It does not have to. Lena has already replaced herself. And she has done it many times. Lena, the child who loved the tide pools. Lena, the soldier. Lena, the wife. Lena, the teacher. Lena, the adulteress. Lena, the biologist. Lena, the final girl. These are all just different versions of Lena. One version might be virtually unrecognizable to another, and yet, 
they are all the same. One plank taken from the deck and replaced with something new. She signs up for the military, maybe just to pay for college. Another plank is taken and replaced. She meets Kane and they start a relationship while on active duty. Another plank is taken and replaced. They marry. Lena quits the military, takes up teaching. Another plank. They grow apart. He has gone on missions often. She cheats on him with a co-worker. Another plank. She grieves. Another plank. Kane returns. And Lena's pieces are lost because everything was supposed to be better, again, now, still. Another plank. Another plank. Another plank. Sound like the metronome. Good in my eyes when I was young. Now they say I ran away from you. God, thank you, I learned the world. They think I'm a broken girl. The edge of the Ouroboros tattoo is visible on Lena's forearm, by the way, but if not for this format slowing the movie down, pausing to describe, I might not have seen it. Lena's left thumb in the ring of the grenade safety pin, but also, is this the first time I have noticed it? The first time she has worn it? Or the first time we have a clear close-up of her left hand? She has, presumably, Kane's wedding band on her thumb as well. Two rings, two very different relationships. A quick spot check of a few earlier scenes and Lena's thumb is hard to see clearly a lot of the time. She might be wearing the ring in some shots when they are in the boats, but she is definitely not wearing it when she takes blood from her arm in the aforementioned minute 68. Lena keeps her hand around the humanoid's hands, then lets the striker lever, also known as the spoon, pop loose. And we cut to the long shot from across the room again, second 52, 
as the spoon falls to the floor. Kane's burned body, two Lena's, that pile of discarded equipment. The visual is especially striking here because the space behind the Lena on the left is dark, blackened from the previous explosion. The space behind the Lena on the right is overgrown, but light in color. Beat. Lena lets go and abruptly rushes away, but we cut to close on the newborn Lena. And if anyone is confused by which one is which, she remains where she was, her back to the stairs. The bullet goes down the right side of her face instead of the left. This is the humanoid, and she has an empty stare. Or maybe it is sadness. We hear Lena's rapid footsteps. The humanoid looks down, and a grenade flashes below frame, the white taking over the entirety. Then we fade back in on roughly the same angle, but the camera is panning left, away from the brightly lit humanoid, sparks flying. Interestingly, and maybe contradictorily, there is also blood on the left side of the humanoid's face now, and time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside. It was a dream. We live inside a dream.